Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Hearing God by Pastor Sean Wood. Your word. And I thank you that you're always speaking. And so I pray today, Lord, that just like the radio in our cars, that Lord, the Holy Spirit would tune us in to your voice. In your wonderful name I pray. Amen. Amen. This morning, uh, if you'd like to meet me in John chapter 10, I'd like to speak about uh, hearing God. And many of us know the verse in John 10.10 where Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Everybody knows that verse, right? Uh, Most of the uh, name it and claim it and prosperity gospel preachers, they got that one down pat. However, the abundance that Jesus was talking about there is attached to the life that he had promised. And the life that Jesus came to give us was the life which is the Zoe kind of life, the God kind of life. And, and today I want to help you reach your abundance. We've been talking about fruitfulness. Last week we spoke about abiding in Christ and, and, and being fruitful. And so today I want to talk about uh, the, there are two ways that the enemy tries to starve the fruitfulness in your life. And today uh, we're going to talk about hearing God because the first And sometimes the most important thing that the enemy tries to do is to stop God speaking into your life. I was reminded uh, in preparation for today, I was reminded of the Roman centurion who comes to Jesus. And he says, I have a servant who is sick. And Jesus says, I will come. He says, no, no. He says, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. But what does he say? You just say the word. You just speak, Jesus. That's all that's needed. And so uh, the enemy will do everything he can to starve God communicating to you. And the good news this morning is we all have the ability to hear God. But sometimes things get in the way and sometimes we can learn to develop that more. More as we go along... uh, Throughout, uh, I haven't done too many weddings, but if you come to me and you want to get married and you want to do marriage preparation, here's the number one thing I'm going to press to enhance the intimacy in all of our relationships, not just marriage. It's called communication. What happens is, is if you can get people communicating better, intimacy begins to grow, trust begins to grow, the more we communicate. And it's the same with God. But we all communicate. Believe it or not, uh, you are involved at the moment probably in tens, if not hundreds of relationships, all at differing intimate levels, depending on how you communicate. So the person that serves you coffee, you may have a kind of a cliche level of communication with them. It's no more than, hey, how are you going? Nice, yeah, good day, yeah. Give me my coffee, shut up and let me get on with my day. That kind of cliche kind of level of communication. But uh, there's no intimate relationship there, right? Because the communication is very superficial. But maybe after some time of going to the same coffee guy, you, you strike up some conversations and you begin to learn facts about that person. And so the, the intimacy and the relationship deepens because maybe you learn that this person has a wife or a husband, they're, they're, they've got a couple of kids, etc., etc. So you learn more about them. And as you go down the line, the, the stronger you communicate, the, the deeper the intimacy and the stronger the trust, and so it is with God. And, and the deeper you get into uh, 
communication and intimacy, you find that you can communicate without words. Married men are saying, my wife can communicate with a look. (laughs) Men, we all know the look, right? My foster mother could cut you down with a look. I remember uh, my, my foster mother was always in the worship team, which gave me an ample opportunity to play up in the pews of the church, right? I only ever did it once. <laughs> uh, uh, she didn't have to say a word. I was coming home late that day. Uh, I wasn't coming because well, we know that communication can be non-verbal, right? It can be in our actions. And, and you know what? God communicates in various ways to us as well. And my hope today is to put some framework around and lay a foundation so that we can all move to a deeper relationship with God. So much of our lives can sometimes remain at a superficial relationship, but enhancing our relationship with God is the same as with everybody else. It comes by increasing communication. And so a little bit more about this as we go along, but Jesus in John 10 is going to help us to understand a few things. I think the two biggest problems that we face as the children of God is we struggle to hear God's voice and we struggle to know God's voice. And they are two different things. I want to, I want to highlight this morning, just before we go any further, why this is so important. Some years ago, most people will be aware of an event that happened in America called, well, South America actually, called Jonestown. You see, what happened in Jonestown was over 900 people drank cyanide-laced Kool-Aid that day, uh, but they had listened to a voice and had believed that voice and it had tragic consequences. Let's bring it into more recent... I'm talking about the far end of the scale right now, but let's bring it into more recent times when we see a building ablaze in a little place called Waco, Texas where a nut job by the name of David Koresh has convinced people that he's the Messiah come back to earth. And so for those that did read the pastor's comments this morning, there's a lot of voices out there. And my hope and my prayer is to encourage you to begin to drown out all the other voices. We're going to learn how we can do that and how we can filter them and to tune in to God's voice. Because as the Roman centurion learned, and as many people learned throughout the Gospels, one word from Jesus can transform your life. John chapter 10 uh, comes on the back of John chapter 9. John chapter 9, I love John chapter 9 because the first six verses in John chapter 9 are some of the most profound verses in any of the Gospels. It starts with a blind man who'd been blind for 38 years and the disciples ask a really, really good question. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind, right? We, we know the conversation. And I love how Jesus answers that. This isn't about his parents sinning and it isn't about him, but he flips it from cause to purpose and says, but that the works of God might be displayed. But this has a flow-on effect for this blind man because what happens is the Pharisees cotton on to what's happened. And so what they say is, you know what? Uh, you can't be healed on the Sabbath. And what happens is, The supposed, I'm going to put it in brackets now, the supposed shepherds of Israel expelled him from the community. Today, that doesn't kind of wash with us, right? 
we think, oh, okay, they kicked him out of church. Tell him to go down the road to the next church. That's what the culture we live in. Right? Well, I'll just go down to the next church. Well, in those days, being expelled from the synagogue meant you were expelled from a community. Friends and family were told not to talk to you anymore. You couldn't buy or trade in the marketplace. It had ramifications, enormous social ramifications. But this man didn't care. And on the back of what's just happened in John chapter 9, Jesus wants to teach us about the relationship that we have with him so the first thing we need to know this morning is what is the basis or the foundation of the relationship that we have with Christ and how is it that we can better hear his voice? And Jesus helps us. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. And that verse is none other than pointing to the Pharisees and the leaders of Israel in that day. Here's another interesting note. The word thief that is used throughout John 10 is the same word all the way through and the identity of the thief doesn't change. We're letting, te- we're letting Scripture teach us this morning. And if we do that, the context of what here is here means that the thief in John 10.10 10 is no other than the religious leaders of that day. Which paints it in a little bit different. I'm not saying the enemy doesn't work to steal, to kill and to destroy, but the context of John 10.10 10 is the same thief. The religious religiosity is exactly this. It's trying to get into heaven by the wrong way. I want to have a relationship with God on my terms. I want to get into the sheep pen by a different way. Jesus says there's only one way into the sheep pen, right? There's coming a day when you will not be allowed in Western society to say that from behind that pulpit. I say this now, but I guarantee you it won't be long before they say, you can't say there's only one way. Because that excludes some people. Yep, sure does. Verse 2. But he who enters the door by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And, and this morning, uh, often we can consider this to be a derogatory term. But in relationship with Christ and God, it is often painted with us as the sheep and he as the shepherd. And this is not derogatory at all, but what Jesus wants to teach us is what our relationship with him looks like. Before this chapter's finished, he's going to make it clear that he's also the good shepherd. The greatest threat to the sheep of God, if I asked you what the greatest threat to the sheep is, how many people would say it's the wolf? Yeah, kind of. However, I would make the case that the greatest threat... To the sheep of God is a lack of a shepherd. See, a good shepherd doesn't let the wolf come near. I'm going to digress for a moment. Because churches are filled sometimes with wolves in sheep's clothing. David Koresh was one of them, by the way. He just took it to a really far end place. And if I digressed and told you some of the stuff that he was teaching, you'd think, how did these guys ever believe that, right? But it's over a period of time. It's systematic. But, but there are wolves in sheep's clothing. But we are able to pick them out. I'm going to get, help you a little bit this morning. Uh, by the way, wolves bark. They don't bar. And I say that to say wolves sound different. And wolves smell Different. The children of God just have the aroma of Christ on them. Sheep have a certain aroma too, for those that have... have 
Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a sheep. Turn to the person on the other side and say, that's the smell, right? But... But I say that to say, the wolf comes to snatch. We're told that in this chapter. Comes to snatch and he comes to scatter. And uh, to help you pick out a wolf, here's here's the agenda of a wolf. The, The agenda of a wolf is to get the sheep out on their own. Looks like this. Come to the Bible study at my place. But when you get there, what you'll find is all the conversation is about how how bad the shepherd is. The wolf will always attack the shepherd and will always seek to isolate the sheep. Here's the good news. We have a good shepherd. I don't worry about wolves. I don't have to. I've got a good shepherd. He drives the wolves away. But we should be on guard because... The enemy comes to scatter. The, the enemy comes to, to, to isolate sheep. And uh, I have a heart for scattered sheep. And w- let me expose what I mean by that. In the first century, you had sheep that were of the flock that were close to the shepherd. And if, if there's one thing we learn about this relationship, the safest place for every single one of us is right by the shepherd, right? Right by Christ. And, and then there are scattered sheep. And scattered sheep were kind of in sight of the shepherd, but they had drifted away from the rest of the flock and they were kind of on the fringes of the flock. And so the shepherd would sometimes throw stones or make a loud noise to get them back. And we have a number of scattered sheep. Here's what scattered sheep often sound like. It sounds like this. You know what? I've been hurt in church, so I'm just going to do church at home now. It's just me and Hillsong and, and a couple of YouTube clips at home and that's not church, friends. That's not how God designed it. You're in a very vulnerable place. And then, of course, there's lost sheep, those that are out in the wilderness on their own, and it's not long before you're devoured, right? So the enemy comes to scatter. The enemy comes to do those things. We have a good shepherd, and what we learn about our relationship with the shepherd is if you are a sheep, if you're a child of God, you're actually born with an innate ability to hear his voice. But it's learned... And it's something that we learn and it's something that we grow in and it's something that we develop. A little bit more about that in a moment. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep and to him the gatekeeper opens. And the the analogy here is that the sheep at night would be kept in this huge pen, often with a stone wall. Uh, Shepherding was often uh, passed on to somebody else. It was kind of contracted out to, you had one shepherd that looked after maybe five or six family sheep because everybody looked down their nose at shepherds, but... Uh, inside that pen, the shepherd would hire a gatekeeper who would sleep inside the gate and would only open the door for the shepherd. And Jesus is making it clear that he's the shepherd. The sheep hear his voice. And this is enormously important for every one of us here this morning. Some people uh, struggle to hear God's voice. And so this morning, I want to put some framework around how it is that we can begin to hear his voice better. A couple of practical tips to help you that I wanted to work through as we work our way through this passage. And uh, I have a confession to make. I have what they call probably labelled as industrial deafness. My time in workshops and grinders and whatever else means that if there's a lot of background noise and I'm standing close to somebody, I still can't hear what they're saying. All I can hear is the background noise. 
Isn't that like our own lives? Isn't that like our own relationship with the Lord all too often? That our lives become so busy and there's so much going on in our lives that we can't hear God's voice because of all the background noise. I mean, if I'm, in a, if I'm in a supermarket or a shopping complex and I'm with my wife, she can be standing next to me talking to me and I'm like, sign language, please, I don't understand. And so I, I would encourage us, number one, to, to remove the background noise from our lives. If you're struggling or you want to hear God's voice more, then remove the background noise. And this is what it looks like. Jesus modelled this for us. Jesus is the son of the almighty God. And when he's here on earth, he had to remove the background noise and go and hear the voice of the father. In fact, after pulling an all-nighter, he, he, you have to hear from God to choose the disciples. He does, right? But it says uh, after all night in prayer, he goes and chooses his disciples. If you're going to choose Peter, James, John and those other guys, you want to be hearing from God, right? (laughs) It's like, hang on a second, was there a miscommunication here somewhere? I'm sure that he says that about me sometimes as well. But what Jesus did, uh, I challenge you to read through the Gospels and find out how often it says that Jesus went to a desolate place. Away from the disciples, away from the noise, away from the crowds, away from any kind of business or duty. He went to a desolate place. He removed all the background noise. And I want to encourage everybody in this place, if if you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I want to hear God more, but I ask you, have you got your desolate place? The desolate place could be a spare room. It could be sitting in your car. It could be out in nature somewhere. I found in Brisbane it's very hard to get away from the crowds. Maybe you need to get up earlier. Here's one thing you definitely need to do. Whenever you get to your desolate place, you can't take your phone. I would encourage everybody to start a habit, one hour per day, one day per week, a weekend per month, put your phone on the shelf and turn it off. You'll probably find that the world is still spinning when you turn it back on. That Jesus hasn't returned while you turned your phone off. You didn't miss it. But you know what? We say, I can't hear God, but we never stop long enough for him to talk. It's like our kids, right? They're running around. I didn't hear what you said, Dad. It's because you never stood long enough for me to tell you. Hearing God's voice, remove the background noise. The second one is, I would encourage you to sift the voices in your life. Filter the voices in your life. And if you're saying, well, what do I filter them by? Here. Filter the voices in your life. That might look like, you know what? I need to spend less time on Google. I need to spend less time on Facebook. And uh, I've got a tip for you right now. Everybody that's friended you on Facebook aren't really your friends. You have a very superficial relationship with people on Facebook. All right? I'm not saying that some of them aren't also close friends, but the reality is that's not the definition of a friend, somebody who checks up on you. I've also noticed that uh, most people portray themselves completely differently to who they really are on Facebook. Anybody else ever notice that? Samuel teaches us this, and I thank him for this, because there is a process in our own lives of learning to discern God's voice. 
where we have to learn. We all know the story of Samuel. Really interesting story with Samuel and Eli because here we have an old man, Eli, who's the priest of Israel and he can't hear God's voice. And here we have a 15-year-old boy by the name of Samuel who's hearing God's voice, but he doesn't know it, right? God's talking to him and every time he hears the voice, he runs into Eli, wakes him up and says, what did you say? And Eli's the one that helps Samuel discern the voice. Says, next time, respond. Uh, I hope by the end of today that there's a shift in your personal prayer life. This year, I want to encourage you to not only seek a personal prayer life in a desolate place, but also for there to be a shift. I don't know about anybody else, but if I'm not careful, my prayer life becomes 80% me talking, 20% God talking. And I hope that there's a massive shift where it's 80% God talking and 20% us talking. I've actually found that by the time I make time for God to speak, my, most of what I came in to pray about is done. It's like, yeah, you've got it, Lord, I understand now. Once God speaks into a situation, it's kind of like, you've got it. And so I would encourage each and every one of us to to sift the voices in our lives. I understand that sometimes people, there are voices that claim to read from Scripture that need to be sifted. That's why I wrote what I wrote this morning. I can't believe the amount of traffic of people claiming, I know when the Lord's returning, the Lord's revealed this to me, he's coming here. He's, uh, I mean, just recently I thought I'm going to bite, so I jumped on. And uh, I said to this guy, I said, listen, it's obvious you like the sound of your own voice, but if you're going to quote God, can you please do so in context? Here's, the, here's three of the most dangerous words you may hear in church. God told me, right? God told me, and whatever, fo- I've heard some spooky stuff that's followed that in my time. Uh, here's what Paul said to the Corinthians. It was a lesson they needed to learn. It's a lesson we all need to learn. Test everything. (coughs) Sift everything. Don't just believe everything I say. Go home and open the Bible and go, I wonder if that crackpot's right. I wonder if if he's... (laughs) I couldn't believe how many amens I just got for that. As the sheep of God, he has designed it so that we can hear his voice. So many of us allow the background noise and so many of us allow all the other voices to drown God's voice out. And whether it's prophecy, whether it's a sermon, whatever it is, whether you're reading a book, sift what you read, test what you read. I I only wish that those at Jonestown and Waco had tested what they were hearing. That's the far end of the scale. But the reason, the reason I jumped on to a certain YouTube post and made a comment was 48,000 Christians had watched that clip. And all of the comments were, yay, amen, praise the Lord. And I'm thinking, What? And the very, I know he got my comment because the very next video was I got some nice comments and some not very nice ones. 
It actually matters. It actually matters because it's dangerous. Well, sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. Can you see the intimate nature of the relationship? I'm going to digress for a moment because we have the good shepherd, but we also have under shepherds and they are pastors and and elders that we have uh, that sit over us in church. And so I just want to help you. I I digress for a moment to characterise what a wolf looks like. Then I will digress for a moment to show you what it is that a shepherd should really look like. The job of a shepherd is to feed and to tend the sheep. That's the the job of the under shepherd, is to feed and to tend the sheep. And my personal conviction is that when I don't know your name, am I effectively pastoring you? Because the relationship is supposed to be a close connection. Uh, Also, another way to know a shepherd is a shepherd never points where to go. A shepherd leads where to go. The call of a shepherd is come, not go. I spent long enough in the corporate world where a lot of people say, look, leadership looks like you point, right? You go and do this, you go and do that. Shepherding looks like, let us go. Wherever the sheep are, there's the shepherd. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, a little bit more about that in a moment, he goes before them. That's what a shepherd does. He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. So what is the difference between hearing his voice and and knowing his voice? And uh, uh, knowing his voice can be summed up like this. Recognition comes with relationship. Let me clarify that. Uh, The greatest invention for most married men is caller ID. So if you get 40 phone calls a day, you know when you get that phone call from an unlisted number and it's your wife and they go, hey, and you're like, hey. <laughs> you're waiting for them to give it away, right? But caller ID's done away with that because now we know that's, that's my wife that's ringing. But, but in reality, when I first started dating my wife, she would ring and she would say, hey, and I'm like, who are you? She's not here, so I get away with this, right? <laughs> I, I, I look for the kids' church. Yep, she's on today. I can, I can get away with this stuff. But, you know, after almost 25 years, my wife can pick up the phone and go, hey, and I go, yeah, what's up? You know, what's going on? And I've learned to recognise her voice. Why? Because the relationship has grown. And recognition comes with relationship. So please... Please don't stand here and say God told me when there's no evidence of a relationship with Christ in your life. So many people say, oh, God's not speaking. I I have a rule when it comes to the voice of God. Please don't tell me God is not speaking if there is dust on your Bible. But please do not tell me God is speaking if there is dust on your Bible. Recognition comes with relationship. So how do we develop the relationship? How can we further develop our knowledge of God's voice? Uh, I think the clearest example, and I'm thankful for that song this morning, Make Room. I want to encourage you today, if you make room for God, he'll fill the space. 
our heart here at The Rock is to make room for God. There's, there's a certain number of stuff we don't do in the service anymore because our whole heart is how can we make more room for God to move and to speak into our lives. And so we're very intentional about that. But I think the greatest analogy of this is Mary and Martha, right? Many of us fail to develop the intimate connection and to know the voice of God because we're too busy in the kitchen. We can justify it all we like. We're out here serving Jesus. That's what Martha was doing, right? Jesus has come and and the whole entourage has come and and Martha's busy in the kitchen preparing all the food and, and, and she yells out to Jesus, tell Mary, my sister, to get in here and help me. What does Jesus say? She has chosen the one thing and it will not be taken away from her. The whole message of Mary and Martha is, Martha, get out of the kitchen. I would encourage every one of us to find our place at the feet of Christ. Make room in your life to just sit at the feet of Christ. Uh, I, I use the analogy of Smith Wigglesworth a lot because I've read most of his biographies. Unless there's some new ones out, I've read most of them. And George Stormont and others, they, they write his biographies with the title The Secret of His Power. Great guy, Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, the encouragement I take is that a guy completely uneducated, God can use to move in power. Uh, but we often think of Smith Wigglesworth and we think of the theatrics that went with it, right? Like he punched people when he prayed for them. Now, I've prayed for many people. <laughs> And if you need prayer, <laughs> then I would like to speak Jesus. <laughs> but if you're going to punch people when you pray for them, you need to hear God's voice, right? On one trip to Africa, he punched a big African lady when he prayed for her and she punched him right back. She sent him a letter six months later thanking him for the healing and apologising for hitting him back. So as I hear God more, I want to know, do you want to come out for prayer? But what I appreciate about the biographies is, you know, we, we look at a man punching people on stage when he's praying for them and all those sorts of things. But when you peel the curtain back, here was a man locked in an intimate relationship with Jesus. What the biographies reveal is that people that spent any time close to him noticed that uh, almost constantly from the lips of Wigglesworth were the words, sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus. People would ask him, how long do you spend in prayer? He says, oh, I never go any more than 20 minutes reading the word and praying. He says, but I never spend 20 minutes without reading the word and praying. It was just his whole life. And so he had learned to know the voice of God because he had grown in his relationship. Here's what the enemy, number one ploy of the enemy is to keep you busy. And if he has to keep you busy serving God, he'll do that if he can keep you from the feet of Christ. If he can get you in the kitchen worried about doing everything for Christ instead of finding your place at the feet of Christ. Uh, Just so that we're clear, the whole analogy in the first century of sitting at the feet of a rabbi was that you didn't say a word, you were there to listen. Mary was there to listen. How many of us 
God's got to beat us up sometimes. But how many of us think that we're shepherding God in our prayer life, right? God, I want to take all of your power and shepherd it my way. It doesn't work that way, friends. I encourage you this year, the enemy wants to starve you of your fruitfulness. And if you will open yourself up and make room for God, he will speak into your life. And one word from Christ. That's what the centurion said, just one word. You don't need to come under my roof. What did Jesus say to the Roman centurion? I have not found such great faith in all the house of Israel. I want to finish with a story. Uh, Bill Hybels writes a book called Whispers. I encourage you to go and read it. I know Bill Hybels has come under some conjecture of recent times, but I... I am so thankful to God for the, for the work that Willow Creek Foundation has done for the kingdom. I'm so thankful for the amount of people that have made a commitment to Christ because of the ministry of Bill Hybels. And same with Ravi Zacharias, right? Didn't end real well, but uh, I'm indebted to Ravi Zacharias and how he helped me to shape my thought and understanding of God. But, but Bill Hybels writes a book called Whispers, and in that book he, he tells the story of a man who was an advertising executive. And in the early days of Willow Creek, he comes up to Bill and he says, you know, Bill, you talk about hearing God all the time. He says, but you know what? That doesn't happen for me. And Bill said, well, let's, let's have a bit of a look at your daily schedule. And he says, well, he says, I'm a pretty busy guy. I'm an advertising executive with a big firm. And, and he said, a pretty busy guy. And, and Bill says, we're all busy. And he says, if you can just find half an hour... So a little bit later on, he comes back to Bill and he says, you know what, I found half an hour in the morning, but you know what, everything's going... He says, you've got to find a place and you've got to find the time. And after a few weeks of thinking about this, this guy comes back to Bill and says, you know what? He says, I found that at 5.30 in the morning, I sit out on the rocking chair on my veranda and I've got half an hour just to have a cup of coffee. I sit there with my Bible open He says, I've been doing that for the last two weeks. He says, and God started talking to me. Bill said, there you go. After some weeks, the advertising executive comes to Bill and he says, Bill, he says, I believe I've heard from God. He wants me to leave my job and come and work for you free of charge. Anybody saying that to you today? No. (laughs) I I want to work for you free of charge. Bill said, hey, whoa, whoa whoa, he says, that's a big decision. I think you need to go back to the rocking chair. He says, you need to understand people around here aren't getting paid a whole lot. We're just starting up. He says, uh, says, I think I've got enough savings. I think I can manage it. And he said, well, this is good advice by Bill Hybels, by the way. Bill Hybels says, go back to the rocking chair for a little while and let's make sure. So he goes back and after a few more weeks, he comes back to Bill and says, I'm convinced. And uh, he was actually instrumental in his advertising, uh, was instrumental in projecting Uh, Willow Creek and he became on staff full time. After some years he comes to Bill and he says, Bill he says, I believe God's calling me to go and help somebody in a startup church in another state. Bill says you better go back to the rocking chair right? After some weeks he comes back and he says, no I'm convinced and that church that he went to flourished. After some months that same advertising executive would sit in that rocking chair and read a long doctor's report about all the places in his body that they'd found cancer. 
And after reading that long report, he, he closed it up and he knew God had said, it'll be okay. After some months, he passed away. They rang Bill up and said, would you come and officiate at his funeral? Bill said, yeah, I'd be honoured to. So he comes and he officiates at the funeral and afterwards they're at the wake at the house and he looks out on the veranda and he sees the rocking chair. Bill says to the family, he says, what are you going to do with that rocking chair? And his wife says, I'm going to pass it down to the grandkids because he heard God in that chair. Friends, just like that advertising executive, if you will find your rocking chair and find your half an hour a day, God will begin to speak to you. And profound things will begin to happen in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're always speaking to us. And I pray that each one of us would have ears to hear what it is that the Spirit is saying to us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to sift the voices in our lives. I pray, Lord, that we would grow in a relationship and a knowledge of your voice. Help us to hear you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.